So we began our summer study studying the discipline of submission, which we discussed all disciplines come back to. Submission being that complete surrender to the Lord in our lives, no matter what area we're discussing. We also discussed discipline itself, and it came down to being humble and compliant, ultimately to the Lord in living a spirit-controlled life. So tonight, as we discuss the discipline of witness, we can know that we first need to surrender to, to, we first need to be submissive to the Lord and be in complete surrender to him in order to witness effectively. And I know we all have a desire to live a spirit-controlled life. And so in this area of witness, we desire that as well. And so through this study, remember as I go through that everything we talk about is prefaced by living a spirit-controlled life and asking the Holy Spirit to fill us on a daily basis because otherwise none of this will work. So, so now I'm definitely not an authority on this discipline. It's one that I struggle with probably like many of you. Um, we just had a trip to Texas, and so I was really praying. I was like, Lord, we're going to have four flights because we had a layover in Dallas and then over to Houston, and the same thing on the way back. And I'm like, so I get to sit by four different people. So I really want to witness. And so I'm like, Lord, just you know, work that out. So the first guy I met happened to be a believer, and he was single. He checked all the boxes. I was like, you should meet my daughter. No, <laughs> And Jim's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> but he had a girlfriend. So anyways, but so we had a great talk. And then the second guy I met was um, a Buddhist. And so that was really cool. And we had a great conversation. I was able to give my testimony to him and uh, talk to him about my faith. And then I was able to give him a, a four spiritual laws with the gospel of John. And he took it. He was so polite. Um, he was like, I will read this. Maybe not today, because I have to drive five hours wherever he was going, but I will read this. And um, so I believe that he will, because he was just that kind of kid. So that was exciting. And then another one didn't really want to talk. And then the last one was a believer too. I couldn't believe it. So, but I just prayed that I would at least strike up a conversation and, and get talking about things. And then it came to that, finding out whether they were a believer or not. So it's just, uh, it's not easy. I, I struggle with it, but it was something I had to be prayed up for. So, um, like I said, I'm not an authority on this. The most fruitful times, though, are usually these types of encounters, or even more so friendship encounters. And these are the avenues in our sphere of influence that the Lord allows us to use for his glory. And as believers, I believe wholeheartedly that our desire for unbelievers is what the Lord said to Paul in when he was sending him out to do. Acts 26, 18 says, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And I believe that's our desire. We want their eyes to be opened. We want to share the truth with them. And I believe our heart is in Acts 4.20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We know so much. We have the Lord. So we, we shouldn't be able to be able to keep it in. And so that should be our heart. And I believe our hope is that our light will shine and that our lifestyle, our lifestyle evangelism will be Matthew 5:16 Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven because people are watching us and I believe our intent 
is that we do all we do to reach the lost in the right and the respectful way. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26 says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And so all these verses I just read show the seriousness of the unbeliever's place in this life currently without Christ and our great desire to do something about that in word or deed, none of which can be done without submitting to the Lord in this discipline of witness. And so our prayer can be or should be Philippians 1.20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. And so I'm going to just give you a couple things that encourage effective witnessing, and I'm sure there's plenty more. A knowledgeable heart can encourage effective witnessing. The key to ongoing effectiveness is to keep our relationship with Christ fresh and personal, day by day in the Word, in fellowship, looking for Him to work. And since new believers have a fresh relationship, sometimes they're so much more excited than we are, and they want to share their faith because they're so excited. And then as we get farther in our faith, we just kind of go through a routine and the freshness is gone. But I think that if we stay with, you know, those key things in our lives, reading the word day in and day out and keeping our relationship fresh with the Lord, that we will be able to share more effectively. We can continue to learn about Christ day after day, and yet we know we will still not have all the answers. And Acts 2.42 encourages us what we should be doing. Uh, The apostles did this in the early church, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which was the word of God that they had at the time, the Old Testament, and fellowship, so we should be fellowshipping with like-minded believers, in the breaking of bread, which is being part of a church body, and in prayers. And so as we remain steadfast in the word, in fellowship, in a church body, as we break bread together and in praying, we will keep our relationship with Christ fresh. And it's like any relationship. It must be nurtured to stay fresh. And as it stays fresh, we're more apt to share about it because it's what we're living. So that's an encouragement there. Another thing that encourages effective witnessing is a selfless heart. Going out to witness on a Friday night is a selfless thing to do. Giving up your own plans to see what the Lord will do. And I think that's just not easy to do. Um, When we get on an airplane... You know, I had to pray, Lord, I'm going on this airplane and I need it to be about who I'm sitting next to, not about me, like I want to take a nap or I don't want to be bugged. And so you have to be selfless and um, be ready to interact with people. And it takes submission to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is also selfless to realize you may not be the one that ultimately catches the fish or gets the credit. Your calling may be to plant and water, and everyone has a different gift. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 through 8 says, So so then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. And so we will be rewarded. 
And sometimes we don't see the end result, just like the, the Buddhist that I sat next to on the plane. I don't know the end result, but I know that I was able to share with him. I was able to give him that booklet. And I won't know the end reward, but hopefully he'll receive Christ and I'll get some credit. I'll be excited in heaven, you know, heavenly credit. So Andrew, Peter's brother, introduced Peter to Jesus and Peter became a big part of the ministry that we read about in the New Testament. But Andrew did his part, but Peter kind of got all the glory. So in John 1, 40 through 42, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. And from this time on, Andrew was commonly referred to as Peter's brother. So pray for a selfless heart and be obedient and submissive to the Holy Spirit in your witnessing. Another tool is an optimistic heart. John 6, 5 through 9. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. He knew he was going to provide for everybody. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? But he had the idea, and he knew God could probably do something with that. Andrew saw the value of a small lunch in the hands of Jesus. And we too can be sure that God can do mighty things. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. So we can be looking for God to work. We can be optimistic that he is working behind the scenes or it might be right in front of us. Another tool is an open heart. John, 10, John 12, 20 through 22. <clears throat> now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So these Greeks were Gentiles, and therefore accursed in traditional Jewish thought. And so them being Jewish, they were like, what do we do with these guys? Um, Philip was unsure of what to do with their request, and so he went to Andrew. Andrew knew, take him to Jesus. Let's go. Let's go to Jesus and get the answer. So Jesus is the answer for everyone and every need. No one is beyond the Lord's reach. And so don't give up praying for your loved ones because you will see fruit. Which in the discipline of witness, our families seem to be the hardest to share with and the hardest to reach. But don't give up. And don't compromise. I think that's a key. Don't compromise your faith because of what they're going through, but continue to reach out to them. So I'm just going to give you a couple verses. If you want to jot them down, this is the biblical list of spiritual gifts, and it's found in Romans 12, 6 through 8. Obviously, we're not going to be able to do a study on spiritual gifts tonight. Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. So 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. And 1 Corinthians 12, 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And we could also include Ephesians 4, 11, which I will read. Ephesians 4, 11. 
And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And so this shows us that not every, not all of us have every gift. And so a percentage of people will have that special gift of evangelism, like Pastor Tony Crockett. If you guys know Tony, he has the gift of evangelism. When he was up at the junior high retreat, the first day before any study happened, two girls received Christ. I mean, he just has the gift of evangelism. Um, he can easily practice his gift because it is his gift. He still, though, now, however, needs to be submissive to the Holy Spirit, selfless by the power of the Holy Spirit, optimistic, relational, and open-hearted. However, the word does encourage all believers to evangelize. And so we, we can't say, well, I don't have that gift, and so I'm off the hook. Well, I don't have that gift either, but we're not off the hook. We still need to share the truth with whoever we can. Matthew sixteen fifteen says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that goes for all of us. And it can be called gospeling in one book I read, making it a verb, sharing Christ in our relationships we encounter, in our neighborhoods, to our kids' friends or our kids' friends' parents, at the soccer field, even with the grandkids, wherever you might be, the lady who cuts your hair, we all have a sphere of influence where we can reach out. And it's using what's going on. We can use what's going on in the world as we talk about it as a springboard in conversations on how God is in control and how we see his hand in these scenarios. And that can open a door to talk about the Lord. And I'm just trying all the more to be bold and to just put it out there. And if people, kind of like what Christy said, if they want to talk, they will. If they want to communicate with you about it, they will. And if they don't, they won't. But at least give them the opportunity. I mean, what, what do we have to lose? We really have nothing to lose. And I had to go for an ultrasound this week. And so I was like, okay, Lord, there's going to be an ultrasound tech. So I got to pray for whoever that is and, and, you know, talk to that person. And it happened to be a young kid. He was 28. He was so polite. And, um, he was just so nice. I was like, this kid is so nice. Um, the, they were telling me this ultrasound was going to be $700. And I was like, I don't even have any parts down here. Like they were just checking my bladder. I don't have, I have had a hysterectomy. And he's, so I went in there and told him, he goes, oh, this is only going to take 10 minutes. I'm like, 10 minutes for, for $700? And he's like, I go, I don't even have all the extra parts. And he's like, you don't? And I go, no. And he's like, oh, well, we'll get that taken care of. Went down to 150 bucks. But I mean, he was so nice. He went the extra mile. He went up front. He did all that. So anyways, as I'm talking to him, and he just seemed like such a great kid, I was like, do you have a relationship with Jesus by, the, by chance? And he goes, I do. And I was like, I was so happy, but I was like, ah, you know, I was going to share it with you. But um, it was just fun to talk with him. And, and then we got to talk about witnessing and how it is good to just put it out there and ask. And, you know, if they want to talk, they will. If they don't, they won't. So anyways, uh, like I said, just, you know, pray before your encounters, before your appointments, before you go to the restaurant, the grocery store, the soccer games, wherever you go, pray before you go and just be available and alert. Lord, do you want to use me? So let's turn to 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 6. So I'm going to let you guys turn there. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 6, because I want to share a little bit on this. All right, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 6. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, 
whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it, is the God, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So out of these verses, I see a few things that can help us with our witnessing. As we look at verse 5, we see Paul didn't stand before an audience to preach about himself. He wasn't the focus. Jesus was the focus. So Paul could strongly say, we do not preach ourselves. Instead, the focus must be on Christ Jesus, the Lord. He is the one to preach about. And that doesn't mean you can't share your testimony, but the focus is on Jesus. Not only that, but Paul also did not preach a gospel of moral reform or a list of rules um, that you must follow to be right with God. He preached Jesus, presenting Christ Jesus, the Lord. His goal in preaching was to bring men to Jesus, not to make moral changes in men. That's God's job. He'll clean them up afterwards. Um, it can be like attempting to raise fruit without trees. And I'm sure you have all heard, you have to catch the fish before you can clean them. And so they need to come to Christ first. We need not focus on their sin, but their need for a savior. Paul presented himself not as a Lord, not as a master, but simply as your bond servants for Christ. Christ for Jesus' sake. So it's important that Paul considered himself a bondservant of the Corinthians, of the Corinthian Christians for Jesus' sake. His goal was to please the Lord and not to please man. And my favorite part of these verses is in verse 6. The God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness. Paul is saying the Lord God who created light in the physical world can fill your heart with spiritual light, even if you are blinded by the God of this age. Satan's work of blinding is great, but God's work of bringing light is definitely greater. First John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we know that Christ is always greater. Also in verse 6, who has shown in our hearts. So this describes Paul's own conversion accurately in Acts 9, 1 through 9. On his way to Damascus to persecute and kill Christians, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And this was the first encounter with Jesus in the life of Saul of Tarsus, also known later as the Apostle Paul. So this should be a good way to describe every Christian, people with shining hearts. God has shown in our hearts and it should show in shining lives for Jesus Christ. God has given us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. I love that too. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And we have the responsibility to get it out. So he has shined it into us that we can shine it out to others. And I think with witnessing, there are always some don'ts. As we mentioned, we don't focus on their sin, but their need for a savior. And we shouldn't make fun of their political party or their belief system. Um, I see a certain pastor, I won't mention him, he doesn't live in the state, but he's always kind of putting down the Democrats and all the funny things Biden does and makes fun of him. And, and they're funny, but if you're not a believer, you might not think that's very funny and it's kind of demeaning. And so I don't think that's the way to approach it. Um, but we can engage more by asking why they believe this or that and tell me more of why you think this way and tell me about it and let them talk and let them know that you're interested in what they, they think. 
um, and then see if you can share. And just remember, we can and should do our part, but it is ultimately God who gives the increase, as we read about in 1 Corinthians 3. So I'm going to end with Matthew 16, 15 through 17. And it says, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? This is Jesus talking. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so it ultimately is the Lord has to open their hearts. We can do our part. We can pray, but God has to do his work. And so let's be encouraged to do our part and know that God will be magnified in our lives as we stretch ourselves in this discipline of witness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this short time in the Word, Lord, and I pray as we get into small groups that you would challenge us even more as we talk about this discipline of witness, that we can share with one another some tools that we have found to be effective and ways that we can reach others for Christ. And most importantly, Lord, help us to keep our relationship with you fresh and that we are ready to uh, share about you because we are in a fresh relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.